G'day, dear listeners. We are again going on the Tanakh Tour this November, and we want you to come with us, don't we, Jason? We do. We want you to put your deposit down for a seat now, and you can experience Torah Pearls, the show, for nearly two weeks. It's going to be amazing, isn't it, Tovia? Not just are we going to be going through the weekly portion together as we had gone through the entire cycle and discuss so many fascinating topics, but imagine not just studying Isaiah, but imagine walking in the palaces that Isaiah walked in. We'll be doing that in the city of David. We'll be doing that. We're, we're not just city of David. We're going to be going far north. We're going to be going down south. We're going to be spending some very special time in Jerusalem. We want you to come with us. Places are filling up, but you can Go to truth2u.org, click on Tanakh Tour of Israel, the link where you can secure your place on the bus with us this November. That's important because whenever I'm not in the north or south or east, I'm usually in the west. Okay, that didn't work. I just came out of Maybe around the world, and thank you for joining us once again on truth2u.org. That's truth2u.org. It's season two of Torah Pills. I'm Jono, and joining me in the virtual Truth to You studio all the way from Ireland is Jason of spiritualbabies.net. G'day, mate. G'day. We're doing a, uh, a Torah portion today that you and I have looked at before. It seems kind of familiar. Mm. Yeah, it, we, it, we, parts of this, especially if anyone's watched our, um, our Hebrew Roots series. Yeah. This is going to sound very familiar. We did a, a program called uh, Regarding All These Words. That's, mm. that's what, maybe I'll put a link. And uh, because this particular Torah portion, remember we were looking at Hebrew. It was Hebrews chapter 19, verse 2 in the New Testament. Uh, no, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 19 to 22 in the New Testament. And it fabricated some ritual. Remember we were looking at this and it seemed to have borrowed from Exodus chapter 24 and it seemed to have borrowed from this chapter, Leviticus chapter 14, which we're looking at today. Yeah, I think the writer of Hebrews sat down and thought to himself, no, I need a list of stuff. What do I remember hearing in the Torah? So he pulled together a load of stuff. Um, as I remember, there were two groups that are unrelated, but he mushed them all together to make this great big um, washing powder list. Um, yeah, to come up with some uh, some strange concoction that doesn't actually yeah. exist in the in the Tanakh, but it seems to have been borrowed from those. Now Leviticus fourteen, so that's where we are today, and uh, it's also this chapter, Leviticus fourteen. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about we asked the question: Is there such a thing as a male lamb sin sacrifice? Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we come across a lamb sacrifice in this too, so that'd be exciting. This could be the last ditch effort to find one, I think, mm. and to join us. <laughs> In uh, in Leviticus chapter fourteen and fifteen, Metzorah is the Torah portion we're in today. Joining us is well, all the way from Indonesia, the author of Let's Get Biblical: Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah? Volumes one and two. You can get a copy from outreachjudaism.org. His website, outreachjudaism.org. Welcome back to the program, Rabbi Tobias Singer. Ah, it's great to be back. It's a big privilege for you to have me back, and I'm um, very happy to be uh, joining you for these very exciting. And in fact, we the. There is an incredible parallelism between this and the uh, and the last of the ten plagues in Egypt. So, in fact, we are going to encounter the, a male lamb in this portion in this portion as well. There's there's two, in fact, and I and I have some questions about those when we get to it. So I'm glad 
that you've mentioned it. Now, this is a continuation. Uh, Mesera, we, we were already talking about leprosy. Uh, I thought it was going to be a quick Torah portion, but in fact, you brought to light a lot of very interesting information, which we we're very grateful for. I have no doubt that this Torah portion is somewhat similar because the theme of leprosy continues on, Tobia, and it begins by saying, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. And let me just, let me, it's, it's extremely important for people to remember that there were many Greek translations that were created in, in the ancient world. The earliest one is the famous Septuagint. We don't have the Septuagint today. And I know what you're thinking. You're going, wait, I can go on Amazon and order one. Well, you can't. You, what you're ordering is a, a, a modified, edited, and ultimately it comes from the church. In fact, they are, these manuscripts come from the church, and they have been modified completely. The original Septuagint uh, went, went up in flames in the Alexandrian Library. We don't have that any longer. The point here is that when these Greek translations were used, then Jerome would use this also in the Vulgate, but he would be using the Latin. They would be using the word lepra or leprous uh, in Greek Latin, and therefore that crept into everybody's translation. So what you're looking at when you're uh, reading when you reading your Bible and you see lepra and leprosy. What you're looking at is a a mistaken uh, translation that sort of just crept in, and this everybody went along with it. But it's a very important. One of the things that we covered is that we're not talking about leprosy here. Um, we're not talking about a physical uh, malady, although it it manifested itself in a way that was vi- that one could see it visually. But it's a spiritual malady that God brought upon the upon the uh, not just upon a person but also upon clothing and upon a house and in fact when it comes to the house it's very interesting because um in all the other cases we'll talk about this later but anyways that's just very important uh, you have to divorce the word as i, I men- w- mentioned in last week's uh torah portion mitsora is a very screams of what it is motse ra somebody who is haughty and because they don't care about another person and they trivialize words they trivialize how they speak and it it it, it and they don't take into consideration how the their their speech will ultimately isolate, destroy another person's life, damage another marriage, um, um, uh, um, uh, slander another person, therefore isolating that person from society, this person is a motzi-ra. There are different levels of motzi-ra, as I mentioned, and it's just worth going through this, that saying something that, you know, just repeating something, it's not even negative, but you know that it will elicit... Uh, bad feelings among others. And therefore, you know, this guy's got a million dollars. You know, he just won the lottery, got a raise, and it would make someone jealous. So, you know, that's forbidden. That's rechilos, sin. Worse sin is lashon hara, and that is saying something about someone else that is true. It is just... Um, it it just is um, it, it just is, is bad about someone else. This is a very serious sins that one could one could commit and finally 
there's um there there is what's called motzi shemra. This is the most odious form of bad speech because motzi shemra is slander. It means saying something about someone else that's not only bad but it is also completely untrue. Completely untrue. I uh, can I share? Maybe I can share an anecdote Please. with you. Please. I um there was a this maybe just to broaden this a little bit. There was a, among our sages, those who are the leaders of the Jewish people, they would often, when they would travel, they would travel incognito. They, they, they were very humble. You know, if you, if you see a rabbi who's like running to be chief rabbi of something, that's not the kind of leader that God has in mind. And we can see that from the Bible, that all the leaders were, were people who were enormously reluctant to become a leader, argue with God why I shouldn't, tested God like Gideon, the judge, who said, I can't be. But we see the pattern of, you want to know what a real Jewish leader is? These are people that are very humble, that are, are really not looking, they don't want, they're not looking for honor. That's very important. She's the one who's seeking out their own honor. They would also want to get a feel for the people, so they would, would travel, they would have a hat on, they would keep their heads low, and they'd want to hear the people. Because often, if you are, are highly regarded as a rabbi, as a rabbi, you don't really get to hear what the plain person on the street is saying. So, there was the, one of the greatest sages of the last century was the man who you've all heard of, is called the Chafetz Chaim. Strangely, of course, the Chafetz Chaim is not really his name, but the Chafetz Chaim is the name of the most, his most important is Opus Magnum, and that is um, a book devoted to... Um, uh, devoted to to teaching people how to live a long life, Chavitz Chaim means live a long life, by not speaking evil about somebody else. This is very important. What happens? The Chavitz Chaim is traveling, and he's traveling on a coach, and they're on a train in, in a coach, and he's sharing the coach with another, uh, with other rabbis, but they don't recognize who he is. As it turns out, there's among these rabbis that are sitting there, one of them is reading the writings of the Chafetz Chaim, but he doesn't know that he's sharing the coach with the Chafetz Chaim and another very important rabbi who is w one of the main authors of the Mishnah Brura. The Mishnah Brura is a codification and an, an, an annotation on Jewish law. So what happens is, is that the the person who's reading the, the, the Chafetz Chaim's work is going, wow, the Chafetz Chaim, he's such, a, he's such a holy person. What a great sage. He's so holy. He's so special. He's, he's really the greatest gift to our generation. Incidentally, the Chafetz Chaim lived to 97 years old. Mm. So, the Chafetz, so the Chafetz Chaim, who they did not recognize... Uh, dismissed it and said, no, nah, he's not so, he's not so great, he's not so holy, he's not so, he's not that. He, he, he was dismissive of this man's praise. Now, when the author of the Mishnah Brura overhears this, he is outraged. This is the Chafetz Chaim. And, he's, and he goes over to this, he didn't know he was talking to the Chafetz Chaim, he says, how could you say such a thing? The Chafetz Chaim is the greatest rabbi of our generation, and he knows so much, and he's such a great scholar. And 
the Chavetz Chaim responded, ah, he doesn't know so much and he's not the greatest. What happened was is he was so enraged and so angry to hear him speak so dismissively of the Chavetz Chaim, they actually smacked the Chavetz Chaim in the ear. Oh, so, so the Chavetz Chaim was just quiet. Now what happened is the train finally stops off in a, a major city called Raden, where the Chavetz Chaim was from. And, uh, and people knew that the Chofetz Chaim was on that train. A, and a great crowd, word got out that the, the greatest sage was on the, on the train. And word gets out and a, a big mob of, of religious Jews come out to, to greet him. Uh, so could you only imagine, the scene, this scene is like shocking. He, so the Chofetz Chaim comes out and everyone greets him. And of course, you can only imagine, here is one of the authors of the Mishnah Brewer is going, oh my God, he realizes what he's done. Mm. And he went over to the Chavetz Chaim, he kissed his hand, he said, I'm so, so, so sorry, so sorry for, mm. for what I've done, that I, 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 that I, I hit you. I mean, you. I mean, he was just, he just felt like just burying himself. And the Chavetz Chaim turned to him. It's a very interesting thing. He said, "He said, I said, he said, I said by what I said." He, he asked him, "You, you?" What? He said, "Because I spoke evil about myself, and that is also evil speech, lush and horror. You're not allowed to talk evil. That means in a deprecating way that has no purpose." Now, it's certainly. Now you'll ask yourself, "But aren't we supposed to confess our sins?" So it's one thing, of course, if someone speaks for the purpose of becoming better, becoming a better person. So then, of course, it is a person confesses their sin. But to go and speak where it has no relationship, it's some object, you just, you're just, he was very humble. I mean, of course, he wasn't doing a wickedness, but he was humble, but it was not serving the purpose of this magnificent right, it wasn't serving the it purpose, wasn't, right. Ah, exactly. He, he said that Hashem should only forgive me that I spoke. Pretty, you're not allowed to talk about, you go say to someone else, I'm a, a evil person, but you're not allowed to talk about yourself that way. You're not allowed to see, you're creating the image of a God. You're not allowed to speak evil. You're not allowed, and that's hmm. all. So that's what's key over here. You have to be very careful of every word that comes out of your mouth. And we have seen that throughout Scripture, that a word, a blessing, a curse, everything has enormous meaning. You think your words really are not important. It's a word. It's just a, a breath of air in the in the, that dissipates, that evaporates, that goes away. Where is the word? It's gone. Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to do a miracle. And that's what we continue here in Pashas Mitzayra. And so we can understand Zoy's Tarius. Hamitzayr, this is the, the teaching of Mitzayr, but the purpose of, of a person becoming a Mitzayr, and again, just to repeat, those who did not listen to the show, the word Mitzayra mm -hmm. is a compression of two very simple words, Mitzayra, you have released evil, you have released something bad. And we're not going to go through all the levels of of that. It means you can either speak evil of another person, you could um, uh, say something that just makes someone think badly about that person. And, of course, the worst is slander. It means you're saying something about somebody else 
That's not true entirely. So there are not all evil speech are created equally, and therefore not all the different types of tsaras are, meaning the different types. You'll see, how come there's different ones? There should be one. The difference is that there are different levels of wickedness here, and the Torah is very careful, but the purpose is that the person should rejoin the Jewish people. Yes, they are isolated. They're going to be, we're going to now going to start to read it. They are thrown out of, they, not thrown out, they are expelled from the machina, the camp of the Jewish people. For what purpose? So you should know that you can, that you, that what it feels like, but also you should do tshuva. And if you do tshuva, you become great. You become holy. We're going to see something very, very interesting. It's going to come up soon. But a person in Jewish tradition that is, and this is the final point, then we're going to go into the text. In mm-hmm. Jewish tradition, a a b'makim shabali tshuva aimdim in the place that a penitent stands, ain't tzadik, even a complete tzadik, a perfect righteous person cannot stand in their place. A person who repents and returns is greater than a person who never even sinned. Mm-hmm. That's the highest thing. And we and and we, we and that's why it's a rejoice. A person should rejoice with such punishments so that they become better. That's the proper approach. We are living now in a Doryasim, an orphaned generation, and as such in our time people won't be can't handle you know if you say you know harsh criticism that's why i instruct people to be careful and gentle with christians mm. this is all they know i've never been a christian i i can't i never walked in their moccasins i never walked in your moccasins i don't know so therefore today we're living in a time where everything has to be done gently but this was at a time when the people were at a very very high level and as such they are dealt with in accordingly, okay? This is the way that God deals with them. And, and I have to say, with, with that in mind, Tobia, honestly, chapter 14, I think, is perhaps one of the most bizarre uh, chapters, at least to me. Uh, it, and, and maybe you'll make, uh, I'm sure you'll make more sense of it for us, but uh, it really is a very, very bizarre uh, chapter in the Torah. It begins like this. It says, uh, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take him uh, who is to be cleansed to living. Now, now, Jason, just coming back to you, this is uh, this is it here. Remember, we, we did that program on Hebrews in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 19 and on. Oh. Um, the writer of Hebrews uh, makes up uh, this, this concoction and says this is what Moses did. Well, part of it was taken from Exodus. Part of it is taken from here. And, this, and we read about it right here. It says, take two, two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, hyssop, and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed uh, in an earthen vessel over running water. Just to bring people, uh, just to, to remind them, uh, this is the concoction that the writer of Hebrews makes up. He says, for when, this is uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 19, for when Moses had spoken every precept to the people according to the law, uh, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and this is a, a concoction that was all mixed together and then sprinkled all over the place. Doesn't actually happen in the in the Torah, but uh, here are some of the ingredients. Uh, Jason? Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. He, he does, he makes this big uh, soup of stuff, 
And uh, I don't know if he just went through and ticked the items that he could find in a couple of um, rituals and decided that these were the ones he was going to use. I find it pretty amazing, actually, that the author of Hebrews couldn't have just gone back and read any of the text and copied it. But there we go. Um, so uh, there's um, one real big picture here that I just want to um, elaborate on. And that's the concept of each individual member of the family of Jacob, the children of Israel, being a priest. So there's a there's a really strong concept in the Torah, in the Tanakh, that um, the Jewish people, the Israel, um, are priests. They're a nation of priests. And even in this passage, where we're looking at a guy who has a physical and spiritual ailment, we have these amazing echoes to uh, Torah portions that we covered a few weeks ago. So I'm going to go through them real quick. Um, first of all, when um, and and to um, and to Israel as a whole. So I want to, and I really it pains me to say it because of my tradition. I want to, uh, you to imagine that Israel. Um, as a group is one living body Uh, so wherever you are in the world you are one israel is one if you're a part Mm. of the nation of israel you're part of this body and let's for a moment imagine that this leper (laughs) is that nation and that um something has incurred this physical and spiritual illness and right now you're cut off and so what happens um you um are met by a priest who brings you um um, before him and you are um there's a list of things that come and i don't think the lep is responsible for bringing these either so the the nation if you like can bring the ingredients of um of this ritual and there are two birds and one of the birds is killed and their blood is used and the other bird is dipped in that blood and then that second bird is set free which really echoes yom kippur to me so in yom kippur you've got the issue where um israel is brought pretty much um, up, up front, if you like, and God is asked to take notice just in the way that this priest is asked to take notice. And there's the same kind of ritual. Um, uh, one goat dies and one goat lives. But what it gets more interesting for me because just in the same way that a, an actual priest at this time would have started his, I don't want to say ministry, but his service to the, mm-hmm. to the tabernacle, um, that kind of thing is echoed again here. So he, as an unclean person, or a person who is not ritually clean enough to serve mm-hmm. as the sanctuary, now this leper is not ritually clean enough to live within um, the community. So what happens? The, his, uh, the blood of this offering is taken, and it's dabbed on the ear, the hand, and the foot of this leper. Mm-hmm. And uh, his clothes are washed, his head is shaved, all things that we see um, within the the priesthood, and then it's allowed to rejoin the people. I think it's such an amazing because here we are. This person is on the edge of a community. He's cut off from his people, and uh, through these events, he's um, made acceptable um, to to the nation again. Just in the same way as this priest is elevated above everybody else, now this um, leper is elevated above his previous position. And uh, it's worth going through this when we look at the. When we look at the things that are happening to these people that have this, um, I keep saying leprosy, but that have this um, ailment, this this mm. um, spiritual condition, just um, rather than taking it on, on kind of face value, um, think about where you've heard the terms before. Think about where you've heard cedar wood, for example. So cedar wood is a really long lasting word. It's got a really uh, great rate of non-decay. Um, David's lined his palace with cedar wood. I think the... Um, 
part of the wood underneath the the movable altar is cedar is it's used everywhere um it's got kind of antibacterial properties it's amazing um so we see cedar wood mentioned in all over the place and that's one of the things you have to bring uh hyssop hyssop's used over and over again um because it's like a sponge and it's always used to anoint things and to smear things and the chances are at passover when they put the blood of the lamb over the lintels it was um hyssop and interestingly mm-hmm. in the uh new testament when the vinegar is given to um when a vinegar is given to Jesus in one of the in one of the gospel accounts, it was hyssop that was used in that one, which is kind of funny. So there's you know, there's a tradition sometimes that the Roman put a sponge on the end of a spear, but there's another one that there was hyssop involved. Um, the scarlet thread is the only one that I'm confused on, and I'm not sure about. Um, and I, we do, we do get um, the idea of the scarlet thread in the story of Rahab, um, and I'm inclined to believe that my idea of scarlet. And the text's idea of scarlet are probably two different things. And I wonder if this scarlet color was actually um, a kind of fiery orange, something that really stood out against anything else in the landscape and made the thing that it was wrapped around or against stand out. Because when I think about the Rahab story, we've got a ton of windows <laughs> and, it's, um, and it's midway between day and night, you know? So how are you going to find the right one? You want to stick something outside that window that's going to glow in the dark pretty much. And I wonder whether that's the purpose of this um, scarlet thread to make the thing that it's containing stand out against everything else. Uh, well, I feel like I've gone through my whole notes in one go, but um, it's just <laughs> when we go forward now, if, you know, for the listener, if you're going along in your Bible, underline, underline the parts that you think sound familiar and then cross-reference them after. And I think it will kind of elevate the passage beyond just a basic reading. What do you make of some of those, Toby? Ah, this is, I could do 15 shows on this, on these just <laughs> few passages over here. First of all, remember that Lushen Hura, that means speaking evil of someone else. Well, how does someone do that? What it comes is, it comes really from haughtiness. You think you're big. You think you're, and he's low, and I'm big, and I'm important, and I can destroy someone else's reputation. I could speak ill of someone because I'm big. So what we have here, ah, I love you, Hashem. So what, ha- what, what we're doing is we're drawing together Two different things. I love what Jason said because he's quite right. The cedar wood is a not just a strong wood, but if a cedar tree is known, the tall cedars. That means the cedar represents the height. The person thinks he's haughty. He's like a cedar tree. And because it, it's a very tall, imposing, very wide. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've been to Lebanon. I, we're not going to talk about why, but I've been there. But, but the key is the cedar trees, they grow like the, like the glow in the sky, the big tower posing, and they're very durable. I'm going to be around. I don't care what it does. Like Jason said, it's a very, in, it's a, a, a wood that in doors it's not subject to decay as other woods are it's very strong and there do you know by the way when we go wow when we go on our tour Bezos Hashem I don't mm. want to spend much time on this but we, I, we, will, we will go on the Temple Mount but <laughs> there's a whole pile of cedar wood that they have on the side in a pile. It looks like a big rubbish. It's really cedar wood. And they went they went and took a little piece and tested it, the wood. They mm-hmm. did a, um, a, um, 
The uh, 3,000-year-old wood. We're going to see it. It's there. The Arabs don't even pay attention to it. But you're going to see it there. I'll point everything out to you. When we're up there, I'm going to show you where the Mizbeach was. I'm going to show you all the things. And we all know this, those who've been there or been to the Temple Mount, there's two competing feelings there, two uh, seemingly opposite feelings. In one way, it's ecstatic. We're on the Temple Mount. This is the holiest place in the world. But of course, mm. look at what well, I don't need to tell you what you're looking at. We're looking at destruction, but there's hope. Mm. And actually, mm. this is the pl- very place that, in fact, uh, the third temple will be built. But I'll show you the pile. I even have pictures of it, but I'm not going to put it up on Facebook. I have pictures mm. of the, the cedar wood that is in a pile on the side. They don't, our cousins have no understanding of its value, but it's sitting all there. This is a big clump. I'll show it to you. Cedar wood, exactly. 3,000 years ex- old. That, that is amazing. 3,000 3, years old. Because you have yeah, to I'm remember. Looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen up, Kindler. It's really unbelievable. You see, this is a point you need to know. We'll, we'll go into this in great detail as, as, as uh, all of us go up. Mm. That is that uh, to build a, a place that's so massive, I think it's the size of 32 soccer fields. It just that one of the largest man-made plateaus in the world, not the biggest. I think uh, someone told me that there's one in China. It's, I don't know. Whatever it is. It's, but what, what, what you will find is that the, everything is so big. The stone is everything is so massive that people, if, if you had a destroyed temple or destroyed all this, you didn't go out and start chiseling new one and bring it in. The Muslims weren't interested in that. And the Christians, when they conquered the Temple Mount during the Crusades and they converted mm-hmm. Al-Aqsa and the Dome of the Rock, they converted into churches. What do you think? They went and started hewing stone and bringing new cedarwood? No, it was all leftovers there from the, so we're going to mm-hmm. see it. And actually the cedarwood has burnt has a burnt smell to it. So you're actually going to smell the destruction of a temple. And in fact, when we go on the temple tour, that means we're going to go north along the western wall. I'm going to take you, those who wish, we're going to climb up. You have to climb a little bit, just above hand breath, and you're going to stick your hand in between the stones. There's a crevice, and you reach all the way in, all the way deep in, you'll probably be nearly uh, elbow length in, and just rub your fingers against the material that's in there, the organic material. Take it out and smell it, and you'll smell burnt. That means you're literally smelling the dest- you're smelling the burnt, the the relic of the destruction temple. So it's all coming together. Of course, it's all joy, it's all happiness, and we'll, I'm going to talk about this, but. You know, I, I, maybe, maybe I, I should just say a point. There's a very and then, so first, first let me finish this point. I don't want to jump all over the place. Mm. So what we have here, first of all, is this is not a sacrifice. There's nothing here in these passages that is a sacrifice. If you notice, it just says v'shachat es hatzipar ha'achas that the kohen uh, kills, slaughters the one of the birds. Notice mm-hmm. also, it doesn't tell us what kind of bird. It doesn't make a difference. It has to be a, co- a kosher bird, but it doesn't say a turtle dove. It doesn't say a pigeon. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't make a difference what it is. We're going to see why. That's true. How curious. Oh, I didn't oh, notice that. I, oh. I assumed that they were sacrifices. Uh, not. They're not. No. We're no. Gonna, no, no, no. What we're going to do is the key is that there had to be a kosher bird. Now, the key mm-hmm. is why birds? 
So everything over here is jumping and screaming, look, kiss me, touch me, feel me. It's all, everything here, every passage. You know what's beautiful about a, a Torah scroll? You both have seen a scroll. Is mm. that when you look at a, a scroll on parchment, so it's the ink that's used is called dioy. It's a very special kind of ink. There's special laws that goes all the way back to Moses of how to make that ink. All every the ink is a very obviously a very durable, extremely durable, but it actually is also thick. It's it's three dimensional. It's unlike today a pen you write and it's just absorbed by the parchment. If you look carefully, you'll see that the the ink actually sort of goes up above the parchment it's mm-hmm. the, it's raised above the part it's three dimensional it's three dimensional it's not flat it's not two dimensional there's there's valleys and hills going on here that's what i want people to understand why a birth so first of all this is not a in a sacrifice this is this is vishachatasatsiparachas just kill the bird what bird it has to be a kosher bird but the key point is this why bird why is a bird used because what do hmm. what the birds do they chirp they don't stop chirping and this is a message to you chirpers hello how you doing sandy what's going on? did you hear about the <laughs> the talking so the key is the key is first of all you're acting like a bird because other animals like let's say a person has a dog so the dog gets excited it barks but a dog does normally a dog is very happy to lay on the couch and yeah. if it's got it, it at its meal it sits there and just stares at you that's I've got, a, I've got a dog. I've got a couple of yeah, cats. The cats barely say anything. The dog barks every unless, now and then. But my chickens, yeah, my chickens, they never shut up. Don't shut up. Birds don't shut up. Why are you talking so much? There's no reason. That is the person of Lushen, a person who's. It means it's telling you you have a mouth that doesn't shut up for a second. So that's very important over here. This is not a sacrifice in the thing. Vishachat, which means it has to be. You can't. You don't take the bird and and take a three fifty seven magnum and blow its head off, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it, it, this is outside the. What happens is it's, it just it, you have to take a bird and the the birds don't shut up for a second. Tweet, 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 tweet. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear he got a raise? Did he got this? Oh, did you hear what she said about you? You know, your wife told me about you, that this and this and this. You shut up. You're acting like a bird. So that's the key point over here. This is not a offering. This this is the shachat etatzipor. It's not a. This is not a carbon. That's the first thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. So number one, everything comes in together. Jason said beautifully. Cedar wood is durable, and why does it have to be so durable? My gosh, because a cedar tree. If you look at a cedar tree, I don't know if you ever seen one. They go up, they shoot up. I don't know how tall up into the sky. Mm-hmm. So you, obviously it can't be a a a weak wood. Now the opposite is true of hyssop. I don't know if you ever you ever ever. You know, see this. This is a very tiny bush. It's very absorbent, so it's really used in everything. But really, is low. So, and and by the way, the crimson what is used to uh, make it is from a worm. The lowest, 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 lowest. So say you think you're like cedar wood. So important. You can destroy a marriage. You could destroy a life, or you could make one person despise another person with your with your with your words. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna. This is who you think you are. You think you're a cedar wood. 
Ah, <laughs> we're going to use the hyssop low, and it's the, the thread, it's dyed with the lowest of all the creatures to show that this, you really, your haughtiness was arrogance, and you had to go and destroy another life. And that's what's coming together here with such exquisite. Now, it's also hard to ignore, of course, that, in fact, the, the Jews had to put, the, to show they were, they were, um, they recognize the God of Israel and that they humbled themselves before God. It's impossible to ignore what the Jews had to do. And that is, they had to slaughter an animal, a lamb, and remember that there was no Mizbeach. They didn't have an altar to slaughter the lamb when they, when they, um, when they were about to be redeemed. And they had to escape being killed by the firstborn being killed that's the mitzvah death i mean i mean this is too big to even go take 15 shows to go into this so yeah the same thing is used same hyssop is used and the blood is spread on the wood ah there we are and bingo so that's what's happening over here we have the we have everything conflated together you think you're like tall like a cedar wood so you put the blood on the thing and it comes from the lowest and anyways we'll, we'll move on here this is really this is really very big because there's, there's other huge things about to come up so uh, we'll, we'll, well move I, on. can Go i ahead, ask sure, about sure. Uh, uh, verse 10 toby because this is um uh, it, it moves on and it says and on the eighth day he shall take two male lambs now as we said at the beginning beginning of the program uh, you know, coming up to Pesach, we were talking about, is there a male lamb sin sacrifice in the Torah anywhere? It says a male lamb without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering mm. and the uh, the log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before the lord then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the the burnt offering uh, in a holy place as uh, for as the sin offering is the priest so is the trespass offering now jason um so we were talking um over the last couple of weeks about as you just said about um whether there are any male lambs offered as sin offerings um, and obviously, we've got some male lambs here, not as sin offerings. It goes on, I think, chapter 19 actually mentions a sin offering, but that's the female goat, but, we, but that's not important. Um, I was always told, if you're going to talk about something, talk about something you know. And um, unfortunately, I know cake. Um, and I just wanted to... Um, I wanted <laughs> to... Make, Could you explain to... that? Just what, what do you mean, I know cake? I know cake, too. What do you mean, I know cake? Cake's my um, best friend. Yeah, uh, actually, exactly I'm it. its best I'm friend. A... It's not my best friend, but... What do you mean, you know intimate, cake? I have an intimate relationship, relationship with, with many forms of cake. Um, and I have I kind of have a point. So, um, in England, when I was growing up, you know, if you want a quintessential English cake, it's a Victoria sandwich. It's two pieces of sponge, and in between them, there's jam, and there's... Um, normally some sort of um buttercream um and so this is my point when we're reading through here from say nine through to 20 yeah nine through to 20 we see a whole list of things and a whole list of events um and some of those yeah involve um a helam and you might find that the word sacrifice or guilt offering is in there right um and in front of me here um i could um pull out one of my um cookbooks 
And I could say that to make this Victoria sponge, I'm going to need 200 grams of caster sugar, 200 grams of softened butter, four eggs, 200 grams of flour, a bit of baking powder, and a little bit of milk to make the sponge. Now, if I take one of those four me, eggs... I have to eat for a moment. I'll be back Did you in notice, second. Did you I'm, notice I'm Toby, how, the, how the ingredients just rattled off? You know, <laughs> he didn't even have to think about it. Yeah. He could recite that in, in his could sleep, I reckon. a good recipe for seven-layer cake? But anyways. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just such an easy um, recipe. There's a, yeah. it, there's a cake I, on a pedestal I, two feet in front, of his, in front of the treadmill, isn't there, Jason? <laughs> oh, there is. <laughs> you know, my fantasy is it's the worst thing of the thing I'll do. But if you have a big, good seven-layer cake, one day, please God, I'll be Zeichal Merit, then I can slice off the top layer, just the top layer. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you love that? And your whole face is all submushed with chocolate? Wouldn't that be? I mean, honestly, that's like to, like you might as well go to heaven. If Eilam Habo is eating seven, the top layer of the seven-layer cake, forget about it. They can keep the 72 brown-eyed virgins. I want the top layer of the seven-layer cake. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So um, my my point here is that uh, just as we have ingredients and um, we have a formula for this passage in Leviticus, so we have an ingredients and formula to make this cake. Now, if I remove one of those eggs and I um, mix it up with some um, butter and some cheese to make an omelette, that omelette is not a sponge. It just because part of this passage in Leviticus includes. Um, one specific animal or item that doesn't make that animal or item become the thing that it was purposed for anywhere else. Um, so w- what's e- okay? So we're going to find that the, uh, a messianic um, person or a Christian person may say that you know Jesus is a lamb. We've got proof, and they might cite this Leviticus um, passage because there's a uh, guilt offering is mentioned here, and a female lamb is offered is mentioned here. But we have to remember that a uh, he wasn't a lamb. He was a he was a guy, um, and anymore that this egg and this ingredient isn't half a cup of milk. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. Um, B that the the lamb, even if even if he transmogrified into a lamb, hang on, uh, if he did what? What yeah. was that? Don't <laughs> try to have a fancy vocabulary, <laughs> mate. And if you're up there with a wiki, with Wikipedia open, I'm looking that up right now. Is that that was transmog transmogrified? What transmogrified? <laughs> I'm looking it up. Don't do that. What you've been practicing that all day, Jason? I'm honestly <laughs> for the last forty eight hours you've been. I'll be honest, I don't know where that came from. I'm not even sure what it means. Wow. No, I think, I think it's a word. It's to change. Doesn't it, doesn't it to change something completely? Transmog. It's a word. I can't believe it's a word. Oh, my goodness. You're kidding me. Right. Yeah. It's, a, what, it's yeah. a word. Past tense. Past tense. Transmog. Transmogrified. <laughs> what? It means uh, transform, especially in a surprising or magical manner. Transmog- oh, well. Everybody write that down. Add that to your vocabulary. Thank you very much, Jason of spiritualbabies.net. Please continue. So even if he changed in, in magically in this great way into a lamb, just because he is a lamb doesn't mean that he um, fulfills the role that they're trying to make him fulfill. These animals in this passage had to be killed in a certain way by a certain people in a certain ritual in a certain location for a certain purpose and just mm. removing the animal from that and that doesn't not just this passage any other passage any other passage that you find in a torah that pertains to any other sacrifice you can't just take a small part of that and repurpose it to suit your needs 
Um, it just doesn't work that way. And uh, just it's worth mentioning because I know we we sometimes feel that we have to defend to the nth degree every three or four words that are in this text, but we don't. The whole purpose of this text, the whole narrative of this text, formulates the event and the cause and the effect in that event. You can't just steal something and say that that any more that you can take any more than you can take an air freshener out of a car and expect it to drive you to work. It won't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth remembering that when we go through these passages, just because we see something, we might go, "Oh wow, look, it says lamb there." Now all my Christian friends are going to be on my case saying that there is a lamb, but no, it isn't. That's not what it's mm-hmm. for. And um, I mean, this well, actually, what Jason's saying is right on the button because we're going to actually see this. There's something that never happens in in any of the other sac, um, sin offerings. I'm going to see that in verse 14. And we'll see that, that something is very peculiar done here, and it's done specifically. Yeah. So let's take a look at verse 14 for a moment. So the Go priest ahead. takes some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of he who is to be cleansed in the thumb of his right hand and the big toe of his right foot. Yeah, there you go. So that's the key. So the key is now when the stands, the person who's, what, what has he done here? Number one, he's spoken Lushan Hara. It means he's spoken into somebody else's ear. So that, Mm -hmm. number one, is to show, number one, is he has to improve himself and be mindful of what goes into somebody else's ear. The other thing is the thumb. Now, the thumb is this very interesting um, digit in that I don't know if anyone ever broke a thumb. I don't. I'm not an athlete. It's hard to tell from looking at me, but I'm not. I know it's hard to tell. You think I'm in the Olympics, but I'm not. Okay. But as it happens to be, if you ever, if God, if somebody breaks their thumb and the thumb is in a cast, you have all the other fingers, you, you're finished. What are you? Because you, the thumb really is that critical thing that allows you to to handle anything. So therefore, the thumb, the the um, what's happening is that the thumb is that and the big toe that symbolizes that Mitzvah must improve his deeds and his actions and his mm-hmm. movement forward. That's the key point over here. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. that means we are, see, forget the Christianity. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to start talking about the, the sacrifice that the Hindus bring. Forget all that stuff. What's <laughs> happening here is he's saying to you, this is, this is again, final stage. None of this works if he hasn't been in seclusion. None of this works if he had, hasn't gone through everything we've been discussing mm-hmm. for chapters, okay? That's the key. This is the final stage. But the key is, oh, you thought it's nothing that you'd say a word in would go into someone's ear. Oh, no, no, no. It, this shows you that he has to improve himself. Namely, he has to improve the way wh- what, he, what he causes others to hear. And also, you have to prove yourself indeed, namely, in your action. Your thumb is the one that does the action. Your big toe, that's the one that has you moving forward. That's what's happening here. So, of course, you know, people could, you know, I, I'm at a loss at, the, at a good analogy over here. But, you know, I mean, so anyway, cake. so. Yeah. Here's cake. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> cake. So I can't need bake. a good analogy. I can't bake. I'm a great cook. I can outcook you. I can cook either of you under the table. But, <laughs> but, but ca- baking, I can't. And the reason is, is that actually baking is like a science. You have to be like almost a, like a, 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 a laboratory professor. See, b- b- cooking, see, so you have a chicken soup. So you add one more chicken. You add another carrot. doesn't change anything, right? But baking is very exact. Baking, if you put 
one see i have this crazy thing it hasn't departed me all my life and that is that i'm like the kind of guy well if if two tablespoons of baking soda is good, then ten tablespoons must be fantastic. <laughs> That's really not, I'm I'm not kidding. This is how it is with me. Like for me, so that doesn't work in baking because baking actually is precise. It says two That's tablespoons right. per this and this. I'm I'm the kind of guy, you know, more is merrier. If you know it's <laughs> if, <laughs> right, if, if it's if it's two ounces of yeast, I don't know how they measure yeast. Whatever. If it's two things of yeast, uh, an ounce of yeast, I'm going, oh, then 40 ounces must be fantastic. <laughs> so, so it doesn't if get, work. If we get an opportunity to be in the kitchen when we all go to Israel, Jason, you're in charge of making the cake, yeah. all right? Hell no, no. I, I want to see Toby. I'm in charge of making no, no, no. <laughs> the cake. I all right, the so the latter, half of, Let's go. The, the latter half of Leviticus chapter 14. So the same remedy is applied, but, with, but here we're talking about uh, the house. And uh, the, the the house that has this same plague upon it, also even the clothing. Before we move on to chapter fifteen, uh, guys, is there anything that you want to highlight there, Tobia? That's uh, verse uh, thirty-three and thirty-four, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, key. Okay. So this this there's one point that I have to that has. I mean, there's a million points, but just one. Here we have the leprosy on the house. We just mm-hmm. I just just let's give this two minutes. Um, okay. okay, so what happens? But there's a very you'll come to Canaan. You're going to come to Canaan, which is very interesting. That means, in fact, this type of tzaras cannot happen outside the land of Israel. It happens in Canaan. That I gave lachuza that I gave to you for inheritance. Now, what happens is we have here something we don't see before. Binosati Everyone thinks we didn't talk about it before. You mean it's a house. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, I have no idea how the English happens because I'm working out of a Hebrew. But the mm-hmm. Hebrew says, Vinosati, and I will place, God is saying, Vinosati negatsaras, Pavase Eretz Achuzaschem, and I will place a nega, which is a plague or this, this uh, leprosy, in the ha- house of the the home of that you will inherit because all the good, the seven nations are out you're now taking over their homes how does your english translation of this of this go yeah it says that we don't see that before in the past this is very interesting just one so point says, on this and then we'll this is really when, big so when you when you have come into the land of canaan which i give you as a possession and I put the leprous plague ah, in yeah. a house we don't in the land it. of your possession. Never before, and I put. This is different. So here, so what happens is, and here we see a point, it really is worth mentioning again. Uh-huh. The, 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 if you didn't listen to Tazria, listen to it, but if you haven't, just mm-hmm. so you understand. It's it. So the person says, look, I've got this blotch on the wall. Now we see it's not leprosy because, you know, walls don't get leprosy. But mm-hmm. the point is the man gets on the phone and says to the Kohen, uh, it looks, it doesn't look good. It looks like I have leprosy. There's the, the wall has, there's this, plague. has yeah. there's this plague. So what does the Kohen say? <laughs> 
And the Kayan says, he says, Ufinus habayas, you should empty the house, take hmm. everything out of the house, beterm yavoy hakayin, before the priest arrived, l'reisus hanega, to see the nega, v'loyit nukol ha'sheba boyas, so that everything that's in the house should not become unclean, right? Hmm. And after that, the coin will come to see the house. Obvious question. If this thing causes uncleanliness, then why are you cleaning the house out? It was there when you called. Surely everything everything uh, in the house is contaminated as well, but it seems not to be the case. I hope, I hope the listeners get this point. This is worth everything. Where the priest, until he says it, it isn't. This is so deep. I hope you grasp this. That means the, the leper, the, this thing is there in the house. What's the point of clearing out the furniture? The furniture was in there while that thing was on the wall. No, the priest didn't declare it to be a saras. If he didn't declare it, it isn't. That's the key point over here. So now, now one other point that should be that should be uh, pointed out here is there's an interesting aspect of this kind of saras, and that is that the saras on the house. Initially, we're going to go through this quickly, but I'll, I'll just summarize it. At first, what happens is is that um, that 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 the parts of the stone where the tsaras mm-hmm. is are removed, but everything else is left intact. That's unusual. So this is different. This is different, and and it's recorded actually in what actually used to happen. What because now we're going to go to what is God. I didn't say Vinosati that I'm gonna put. So what happened is is the sages tell us that two things would occur. They now are in the house of what used to be the the Canaanites, used to be Prizi, Yavusi. So what happened is, is they would discover in the wall, they would discover there was there was uh, idols. That means that the the prior people who lived there had idols in the in the wall, or they hid treasures in the wall, gold in the in the because people had to hide their money. It's not like you can go to the bank and deposit it, and it's 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 it's, it's protected by the FDIC or whatever it is. It wasn't so people had to hide it somewhere. They would actually hide it in the stones, and that's what would happen over here. Is that Hashem would would put a it says Vinosati. Why does God do it for special people to put the tzaras in there? He does it specially because he wants you to know you're doing something wrong, but also he, and, and our sages tell us, why did people get tzaras on the skin versus on their house? Why is property versus body? What's the difference? So property, a person says, uh, can I borrow um, your money? Can I borrow your gold thing I'm having guests over? Can I borrow your you fancy uh, whatever it is, bow tie. Mm. I wish I could help you, but I, I don't have it. I don't have one. Truth is, he does have it. You understand? But he thinks he owns it. He thinks it's his property. So this is another kind of evil speech that's going on, and that is the person thinks, my money, I don't want to lend him my fancy golf clubs. So he says no. So what happens this is a very... This, there's two things that can happen here. Number one, that it's a discovery that there's in fact something unclean in the walls, and therefore it's removed. But the other thing is that once it's removed, Hashem provides for you that you have the gold, which means that you now are raised up to a higher level. And Hashem also is showing, this is the depart and then will depart. And that is, 
the sin associated with the tzoras in the house is un- is very special for people who said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have golf clubs. I'm sorry, I don't have a dress that I can loan you for your wedding or whatever it is. Even though she has a wedding dress, she could have. That means you think that 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 um, property belongs to you. So what Hashem does, it's so exquisite. He says, first of all, I'm going to show you there's an idol in there, in the stone. But number two is, I'm going to give, give you gold because you're repenting and you're on the higher place than ever. But you should know that all your wealth, it doesn't come from you. It comes from me. And I put it there so you can understand, look, now you're going to repent. You're going to go through this what we this we're going to discuss now we're not going to go into it now, but now you can there's a message even in the reward for the person who's the mitzvah who repents in that uh, keep in mind you know you have whatever a few coins or something a vase you didn't lend out because you thought I own it God didn't give me anything I don't know here's some gold you've repented. Uh, you're in a special place now, but just always remember any wealth that you have is from Hashem. It's not because you earned it. Okay? So, okay, so that's, that's why we see the Nasati Negatsaraz Revese This is completely unusual. Why is it, this, you won't find anywhere else this, this kind of language. Anyways, now we could say that's just a critical point of a number of points on the Tsaras that come to the thing, and now we can move on. Thank you for that. Jason? Yeah, I just wanted to mention, um, because you know, at the beginning of the show, um, I, did, I kind of drew allusions uh, between uh, the leper um, and the people of Israel and how um, that leper goes through a series of events that's very similar to the in, kind of induction of a priest. Um, and then we're looking at this last part of the leprosy of the house. And uh, you, this might even sound a little bit familiar. And I know next week we're going to be covering something that is exactly the same as this in the text. Um, and the priest shall come in and look, and uh, if the plague hasn't spread in the house after the house has been plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop, just mm. as it is with the man. And he shall kill one of the birds, in this instance, um, in an earthen vessel um, uh, running over water, and he shall take the cedarwood and the hyssop and the scarlet blood and the living bird and dip them in the blood of the slain bird in the running water and i'm doing it all but i have to read it all um and sprinkle the house seven times and he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and running water and make atonement for the house um and yeah and that's that to me screams of yom kippur again we're seeing something very similar exactly and, that's and, it uh, i love you man get on a plane right now easy Jeff. <laughs> i'm going 50 forget over i want to give you a big hug you that's it he, this is the key it's the atonement for the house meaning what is house a person's wealth is what is stamp collection no it's his real that's why is why is land called real estate because you know because it's it's karka that is that's that's real your wealth is the land so that means the sin is in the land the sin is in the fact that you think you have property and it's your property and you earned it so that's the key and that's how you have defiled yourself again with can i borrow your your uh, whatever can i use your house i can't use the house i think because i happen to see my sister-in-law's coming over it's not yours it's not really it's that's why tzedakah incidentally charity 
is is the word tzedakah doesn't really mean charity. The word tzedakah means righteousness, tzedek. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. Because you're making it to give you, when you give 10%, it's not yours. You're, you're, you are making right. That means you are being like God, but that money isn't yours. You didn't, because you know, I got a bonus at the end of the thing. No, it's all from Hashem. If you understand mm. that, then it's, then it's justice to be giving charity. Brilliant. Mm. I didn't expect Jason to come up with something so intelligent. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 15, we go from leprosy, uh, a plague, to bodily discharges. I mean, they, there it is. And um, there's there's a lot in here, guys. But I'm just telling you now, we got about 15 minutes, Tobia. Yeah. No. So here we have here we have now uh, discharges that come from the body, and there are different levels. We can't go into all the different levels now. Some this is incidentally why uh, men go to the mikvah. If you just want to know, because the here the mikvah the water can uh, cleanse a person. There are different kinds. There's, by the way, this is not just for a man. It's also for a woman. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just uh, focus on just a, a, a couple of things. So, therefore, remember what we talked about. Now we're rewinding a little bit. Where does tuma? What is tuma? Dirty? No, tuma means the abs. Life was there, and because when it talks about it, there's. There, it doesn't mean that, that some liquid came out of a person's nose, that he blew your nose. You don't become Tomei, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it doesn't mean, so just instead there are you, the Torah uses clean language. So therefore, we all know that it's- no, this, is, this is a good example. So if someone uh, is, is um, uh, mourning and they're crying or they've got a cold, they blow their nose. Yeah, they, that's not they, make it tell See that? Okay. Right. So that clears up that point. So now you see how it all fits together. This is obviously referring to the, 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 the organ of the body that generates life. And therefore, what it, now you could say, oh, I get it now. Tuma is not dirty. Tuma means what the, we now we are engaging in a world that we can't see. It's not like you know uh, other commandments don't steal. We 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 there is this spiritually entity that is that is in a sense negative, meaning it is the absence. It is the absence of of life. The absence of life. And therefore, the vacuum, that's the tumor. It's not blowing your mm-hmm. nose. It's not crying. If you, if, you st- if you cut your toe, or if I like to cook, I love to cook, right? But you, you cut your finger all the time, right? When, you, when you're chopping mm-hmm. onions, right? You don't become tummy if you cut your finger. Mm-hmm. It's basically mm-hmm. life leaves you. And for a woman who gives birth, it's a double life because not only did she give birth, which means a baby left her body, but if it's a girl, that girl has a, is also capable of producing life. So it's a double mm. tumor. See, you see how it all comes together very, 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 that's what tumor is. People should not have this pedestrian, sophomoric understanding of what tumor unclean, impure, I'm impure, I'm a bad, oh, Orthodox Judaism teaches that women are, no, it's just the opposite. Mm. Just the opposite. Mm. Okay. Jason. I just, yeah, um, first of all. It's, um, it's like cake. Go ahead. I, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot <laughs> like cake. Um, I wanted to, um, I know that. I'm just going to have cake right after the show. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> after the show? I'm eating it right now. Um, <laughs> when, uh, so uh, a friend that I do, um, the Haftar portion show with um, Rabbi Neely, he specifically dealt with this this week in his um, 
podcast, so um, I'm going to make sure there's a link somewhere to his um, hour on this. It's very good. We're going to have to uh, wrap this up very, very soon. But Leviticus 15, verse 24. And if any man lies with her at all, so that her impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and um, every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. That is different to what we have in Leviticus 18, 19, or Leviticus 20, verse 18. Oh, yeah. It says that they will be cut off. What is, yeah, what is the difference? Is this, sleeping, is this the difference between intentional... With, yeah, because then, if just so one understands, if a man uh, lies with a menstruous woman, it is the same exact punishment as if someone eats on Yom Kippur, eats bread on Passover. It's curse. This is very, very severe. So it says, says there that then her state of separation is on him, which means that he now acquires the same contamination duration as hers. And, it, and if he, in fact, sleeps with her during this, during this time of contamination, he'll be tummy for, for the full time and... And uh, and he now, of course, is um, he's Tommy. Yeah, of course. Right, and so, then these okay, things have to be washed, of course. Now, this this is is this uh, an unintentional incident? Whereas uh, what what Leviticus eighteen nineteen is talking about, for example, where it says, uh, "And you shall not approach a woman uh, to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity." Right. And uh, and it goes on to say in in chapter twenty that that such a person will be cut off. Now that's intentional. Right. Is that is that this, that's the difference that's being uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. highlighted? Yeah, okay. I mean, that's why it just sits down and so on. I, it's a little more. The laws of family purity are uh, this is that that becomes very important, right? So mm-hmm. you can have your unintentional, or you know, people just were not careful about mm-hmm. gedarim and and so and on. And that's what it's listing here. Yes, of course. Okay, we have run out of time, my friends. We are. Um, uh, it, it ends our, our Torah portion ends this way. It says, "Thus you shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, lest they die." in their uncleanness when they defile my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law for one who has a discharge and for him who omits semen and is unclean thereby and for her who is indisposed because of her customary impurity and for one who has a discharge, either a man or a woman, and for him who lies with her who right. is unclean. It ends that way. Jason, do you have anything to end on? Only that um, cake is awesome. Um, and, and, and to remember that all of these things um, really are to do with the sanctuary and um, unclean people not being able to um, right. defile the sanctuary in, in any way. So this is really about keeping the sanctuary clean and there is, there's kind of a cause and effect and, how, and placing fences around that to make sure that people themselves are clean. Um, but I guess we'll cover more of that next week because next week's portion portions going to be awesome. My friends, it was a big pleasure to have me on the show. Without me, <laughs> the two of you would be on a on a corner with a tin cup selling pencils. It was a, so. <laughs> we'll be se- we'll be selling cake. Don't you worry about that, Rabbi Toby Singer. Right. Uh, outreach wow, Judaism. Wow, we really did a lot of cool things. We did much unbelievable things. But anyways, the Temple Mounts could be unbelievable. I don't want to talk anymore because the. Because uh, John November is no, the date that we're going this we're going, year, and uh, you're going to see on the Temple still... Mount the cedar wood. It's unbelievable. We're going to do that. I, I'm not 
and I have pictures of it. I'm not sticking it up because you're going to see it live. You're gonna, I'll show you where it is. Unbelievable. Looking forward to that. November this year, the Tanakh tour. There is still room on the bus, uh, dear listeners. So if you would like to join Jason, Tovia, and myself on the tour of Israel, we would love to have you with us. You can go to truthtoyou.org and uh, sign up there. Rabbi Tobia Singer of OutreachJudaism.org. Uh, make sure when you visit there, you get a, a copy of his book. If you haven't already, Let's Get Biblical. Why doesn't Judaism accept the Christian Messiah volumes one and two? And Jason of SpiritualBabies.net, thank you so much for coming back on to Torah Pearls. In the meantime, dear listeners, be blessed and be transmogrified by the truth of our Father's <laughs> word. Transmogrified. I don't know. It sounds like something you do in a funeral home. But anyway, whatever. It's a big. It was a big transmogrified event over here. So that's it. Shalom, everyone. Transmogrified. All right. I'm gonna like memorize Webster's. I'm sticking my Webster's dictionary in the bathroom now for the whole week. That's, that's, that's my it. word of the week. That's like that's like a great spelling bee question. Do you ever watch a spelling bee? I'm, I'm serious. Did you ever watch like spelling bees on television? No, never. Never. They have for kids. They're like six years old. They ask them words like spell transmogrified. I'm not. They call word the word. That's a word. Like what? Like who? And these like six-year-olds, it's like very intimidating. They're like, and there's always some kid from India who, or Pakistan who somehow wins the show. We're a Jewish kid. That's it. I, I'm glad I got to use the word because I know three long words: um, anti-disestablishmentarianism. Um, oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that and then the phrase anthropomorphic personification, which comes up quite helpful <laughs> with what we do and transmogrification and I, I generally can only get to use the third one um, and that, this is the first time this year so uh, woohoo <laughs> 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 <laughs>